Good evening, and welcome back to the Diz Dads Podcast Plus. I'm your host, Aaron Rittmaster, and with me to record Diz Dads Podcast Plus number 31 are my co-hosts, Tim Hicks. There's a snake in my boots. And back from Vermont exile, Willie Crocker. Hey guys, welcome back. This week, we're going to be talking about uh, planning and organizing a trip for a, a large group of folks. And, and we'll talk more about what that means in just a minute. But before we get to it, we do want to take a minute and acknowledge our podcast sponsors. Uh, Mousemaster Travel is an authorized Disney vacation planner and can help you with all of your Disney destination travel needs, as can Wicked Mouse Travel also an authorized Disney vacation planner. You can check out either of our travel sponsors at their respective websites, mousemastertravel.com or wickedmousetravel.com. And our longtime, uh, our longtime sponsor, Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers is Orlando's premium stroller and crib rental company. Uh, if your next vacation destination is Orlando and you've got a, a little one, highly recommend Kingdom Strollers, you get a quality product that's always cleaned well, and uh, it's just really convenient to have a high-quality stroller to use when you're outside the theme park, and you're not stuck with, uh, you know, waiting until you get into a park to rent a stroller. On to our topic at hand, the uh, group travel. Guys, this is the kind of thing that um, I think you know, we, we see a few of these every year, but I don't know. I have a feeling that we're going to have a lot of people looking to travel with larger groups in the near future, just because as people get back to traveling, um, you know, this is that chance to kind of catch up, right? To, to take care of both getting back in the travel groove and catching up with family that maybe doesn't live in the same city as you or something like that. You know, meeting up at a destination is a way to kind of equalize travel for everybody and gives you ready-made entertainment and all of that. And and I just have a feeling we're going to see quite a bit of that, you know, as we get back to more active traveling. I think you're right. 2020 has put such a damper on, on travel of any sort, whether it's business travel, family travel, you know, le- leisure travel, what have you, that, you know, everybody is antsy to, you know, I, I need to see my family. I need to, I need to get out of this house. I need to do something. So I think you're right. I think this is, um, uh, we're coming into a good time, and the planning stuff for this is is all all much more fun. I totally agree. It's going to be probably one of the largest travel years, I think, if things go how we're hoping they go. One of the main things I think will be is um, like getting grandma and grandpa to go with you know all the brothers and sisters and all the aunts and uncles to get back together because they haven't seen each other, like you were saying, and almost it'll be two years. So right. it could be a really big destination time. Well, and, and 50 for 50th anniversary of Walt Disney world, right where I was headed, you know, 2021 <laughs> is definitely yep. going to be, especially the latter half of the year, definitely, definitely going to be a Disney nostalgia time. Um, and you know, if you re- have memories of traveling to Walt Disney world as a young child, especially in those early days, you know, shortly after Walt Disney world opened in Florida, I can just see a lot of folks wanting to kind of make that or remake that memory with another generation. And, um, there's really not going to be any better time to do it because they're, they're really as much as they've had to make some adjustments to, you know, allow for, uh, the budget issues and all of that. Um, the bottom line is that they're going to deliver on the entertainment because they do that every time. And I, you know, that they're going to pull the stops out for a 50th anniversary. So we're only two thirds through 2020. Is it really necessary to start all that planning right now? I'm glad you asked that, that Tim. Of course it is. 
So here's the thing. I mean, when you're planning for a big group, the earlier you can start, the better. And I know that there are some people who say, you know, we're looking to travel in in November of 2021, and gosh, you can't even book those trips yet, right? Right, Willie? You can book some groups for 2021. But not into November yet. Groups are allowed to be booked, though. Ah, If you have a larger group, you can book it, because I have a group booked for 2022 already. Interesting. You just have to have a certain number of rooms booked and held. Okay. So it's all up to what Disney wants to take your money and what Disney doesn't (laughs) want to take your money. (laughs) All right. So, so, you know, that gets a little bit arcane, but here's the, the important part of it. It's one thing if it's going to be, you know, five rooms, right? That's, that's got its own challenges to coordinate. And we'll talk about some of those, but you're still going to be working in that with regular retail bookings. Once you get beyond 10 rooms, well, now we're talking about working with Disney's groups department. And the farther past 10 rooms you get, the more that the groups department can do for you and the more they're willing to bend and be flexible to work with you. So uh, one of the things that Willie's pointing out is that when you get well beyond 10 rooms, that you know, they'll, they'll allow you some leeway when it comes to making sure you've got the rooms you want, um, you know, because they understand. I mean, it's easier for them too, frankly. If you're going to book 60 rooms, 70 rooms, they would rather have them blocked out well in advance so that they can plan around it. Totally agree. And it makes it so much easier for them knowing where they can offer specials, where they can't offer specials. And that's what we're here for, to help you save money when you do want to plan your vacation. So it's resource management for them, resource management for you. So let's let's kind of talk about because I think that there's probably maybe you know three or four categories here of of groups that we would typically work with, um, and let's start with maybe those smaller groups where we're talking you know maybe it's five rooms, it's the extended family vacation, right, mom and dad. Uh, maybe an aunt and uncle, grandparents, right? So, so we got about five rooms. So, um, if you're working with five, five rooms or so, um, you know, Tim, how early do you want somebody to to reach out to you to begin putting that together? Well, I'd really like to have uh, nine to twelve months to put that together simply because you're trying to you know sort through the things that they want to do that they like to do what they don't like to do what interests or doesn't interest them uh, so you can get that thought out in your own head but you know under the traditional system where uh, you know before before covid uh, BC before covid <laughs> you know you had you had time frames for um, uh, getting your advanced dining reservations and getting, you know, getting then getting your fast pass plus selections made. Those are not part of the consideration right now, but uh, it's still a good idea to, well, partly, like I said, resource planning. It's, it's uh, who's going, uh, how much is it going to cost, and how much do I need to budget to be able to, you know, to get that paid off at, in the time frame it needs to be paid off. So I would say really no, no, no later than nine months before. I totally agree. It's a brilliant move to even a year out if you can, just because vacations are expensive. Disney is an amazing vacation, and you don't want to be cutting corners two weeks, four weeks before you go planning this trip. Oh, can we downgrade our room because we don't have this money because we didn't really plan? You know, you give them a year, you're like, this is your price. You're locked in. This is what you need to save. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And and budgeting makes it easier for everybody. Um, I think one of the things that that a lot of these fam- extended family groups run into sometimes is that they think they've got, you know, seven rooms, seven people or seven families traveling together. And then all of a sudden it gets to be, you know, 60 days before time to travel. And you have, you know, two or three rooms dropping off because people just aren't ready. You know, they 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 don't have it budgeted or it's not going to happen for them. And doing it farther out doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be people who drop out, but what it does mean is that they can anticipate it better. And if they are going to have to drop out, they can do it a little earlier and you can adapt your plans. 
the the closer you get to travel before people bail, the harder it is to adjust to accommodate for that. So well, the I flip think, side of that's true too. You know, oh, you guys are going. Well, we want to go too. Well, you know, when you're 60 days before, you're going to be hard pressed to be able to accommodate them. That's true. And yeah, I mean, that's just impossible, like for most things, because all of a sudden they want Cinderella's Royal Table at 1230 <laughs> and you're 60 days out. Like, you're not getting that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things that, you know, any of us would do, too, to help you with that and to help, you know, make it worthwhile to work nine to 12 months in advance is that I know that all of us have done things like, you know, help set up and manage um, private Facebook groups for a family group that's going to travel together. Um, I've even set up completely separate um, sort of website within our, our mousemastertravel.com website so that people who are part of the group can log in and check on their, you know, group schedule that they've set up and all those things. So, you know, we're going to help you facilitate these things. Um, one of the, the, Frankly, things that I think we give the the biggest value add for in, in these situations is that a lot of times people start putting together a big family trip and then it evaporates because people can't make a decision and nobody you know, everybody's arguing over what we can help with that. You know, we mediate those kinds of things. We bring with it the the knowledge of having worked with the destination for years, and we know which ones can, you know, accommodate which kinds of requests best. And we're used to working with these larger groups so we can help manage it. Um, I actually just a few weeks ago did a, um, just did a zoom conference call, you know, and we had three separate families on the call and worked through some of these kinds of questions where they, they were having a hard time making their final decision because they had three different directions going on. And, you know, once I was involved and could help coordinate the conversation, they realized that they really weren't very far apart and we could accommodate all of them without much trouble. Uh, they just didn't really understand how close those things that they wanted were. Well, and it's, it's not our first rodeo, you know, if, if you've not ever uh, undertaken trying to plan a family vacation, well, <laughs> welcome to hell, my friends. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it can be problematic. Like you said, getting everybody on the same page, but it's not that hard. If you know, you know, what you've got available, what kind of destinations are going to best suit your, you know, uh, your guys' needs, anybody that's listening that's wanting to travel, you know, that's, that's the value that, that is brought to the table here. Not, you know, not just trying to make this a big advertisement, but there are things that we can do to help. Well, and, and even if you have done, you know, extended family travel before, a theme park destination is a different world. Even, frankly, a cruise vacation is a different world than, you know, just getting everybody together in a hotel in your hometown or something like that. There are different considerations and, and, we're going to make it so that you can still enjoy the vacation, even if you're one of the organizers. I mean, how many of you have been, I know I have, especially before I was doing this for a living, but you know, how many of you have been in the position of being the one who was in charge of putting together a family event? There's this big family event. Everybody has a wonderful time, except you, because you're worn out, exhausted, fed up with everybody from all of the pressure and stress of putting the whole thing together. Um, you mean most of the holidays? <laughs> This is what I'm saying. You know, why, you why go, you do that to yourself? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this is the kind of thing that working with a professional can can take the stressful parts off your plate. And you can still do the fun stuff, but put the stuff that's not so fun on us. You know, let us be the one who has to call Uncle Bob, who's always the one who gets his final payment in at the last minute you don't want to be that person. Why should you have to be already cranky with him when you get there? Right. Let us do that. We we're used to it. We don't love it, but we can do it. Let us be cranky with him. <laughs> that's right. Somebody has to be, because otherwise he's going to pay. Um, that's just the way it works. Um, so let, let's talk, you know, when, when you've got a group of like five rooms, I mean, it's not like we're going to be able to make arrangements for them to, to get, um, you know, all kinds of, of group perks, right? Not, not going to be a ton of stuff, but 
Um, there are some unique considerations and some some things that you might suggest people do when they've got a group like that, where you're talking, you know, five rooms, so somewhere between, you know, 20 and 40 people, right? Or not 40, I'm sorry, that's too many. Between, what, 10 between and 16? 10, yeah. yeah. 10 and 16 people, yeah. 10, 16, somewhere between probably. 10 and 16 people. Um, you know, Willie, what are a couple things that you might do? or suggest that people traveling with a group that size might, might do to be, you know, get the most out of Walt Disney world. Well, first thing I would strongly recommend is have a good idea of what you're looking for in each park from, if you have a wide age group, obviously the 15 year old, is not going to want to go play with Cinderella and Rapunzel while the four-year-old is dying to meet Belle. So you need to know your demographics. You need to know your clientele. And even if it's just meet up for lunch, let's have a plan of how you're going to meet up for lunch. You might want to, you know, all go to be our guests for lunch. Well, you might not all get to eat at the same exact time. But if we can get you in there at 12, 12, 15, and 1230, at least you're all in the castle together at the same time. And those are the small things that you can't do on your own because there's just no chance of you being able to pull that off with 10 to 16 people. That's what we do. Yeah, Tim, any other thoughts for things that you would look out for in particular for uh, um, you know folks traveling with a group that size? Well, I have a real-life experience because I did a group of 14 um, some a few years back, as you remember. And uh, one of the important things was knowing who is most likely to go off together as a small group. Uh, and what their interests are going to be, because um, you know, if you know that you know, okay, today is Epcot Day, and this person is going to stay on test track all day long because it's their favorite ride in the park. But these people want to wander the World Showcase while I'm sitting in La Cava drinking tequila. You know, then how are we going to work that out so that we know when and how to get back together? And you know, like my son and his then you know girlfriend wanted to go off together, but her dad put the big kibosh on that. So, you know, it's working those sorts of things out. And that's, uh, that's the, the conversations that you have to get out on the table when you're planning. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I like to have my clients come up. I, I, I will give them a list of attractions and say, you know, pass it around and have every, each group score it, right? You know, from this is a not, it can't be missed attraction. This is, we have no interest whatsoever. And, you know, once they're ranked, it can help us figure out where we can kind of group people. Because I will say, even with a group of, of 10 to 16, generally speaking, you do not want to spend every minute of every day together. You will hate each other by the end of the second day if you last that long. Okay. You know, part of this is about recognizing that, that if you're going to let everybody be able to enjoy their experience, then you need to make allowances for you know, subgroups to break off and enjoy those things that are most important to them and not make them put up with the things that they can't stand. Um, you know, the worst thing you can do is make the four-year-old who's scared of the dark ride Pirates of the Caribbean with everybody else the first ride when you first get to the park because you won't get the four-year-old on another ride. Huge. And Right about that. It's just like Space Mountain. People walk right in and they're like, oh, it's just a little ride in the dark. And the four or five, six-year-old, all you hear is get me off this ride for an hour. It, it, it seems like an hour. Right, we know right. it's not that long. But th the rest of the day is I don't trust you for any other ride, just like you said with Pirates. You know, Pirates sounds like fun. But if you're four and all of a sudden it's dark and then you drop down a hill and next thing you know, there's shooting guns and water going right. everywhere, it's a long day. And and the flip side to that is, you know, if you've got a four-year-old who's a supercars fan, well, you can buy yourself a whole lot of goodwill with that kid by, you know, going to that weird off out of the way spot and and enjoying the Lightning McQueen. Uh, I forget what they call that show now um, at Hollywood Studios. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's just, just past Racing uh, Academy. Light, Lightning McQueen's Racing That's Academy. That's it. Yep. Go over there and see the Racing Academy, and that kid is going to give you lots of leeway <laughs> to do other stuff because they've been appeased. And and so we're going to help you coordinate that and make sure that everybody gets pieces of what makes the trip unique and special for them. Um, and we can do a lot of customized stuff like that with a group of 10 to 16 that, frankly, gets harder 
as it gets to be a bigger group. So, you know, there's, there's that to consider. Um, all right. So let's, let's talk about sort of the next size up. And that next size up is your sort of base level, uh, uh, wholesale group, we'll call it, right? 10 rooms or more. And let's say you've got, you know, let's, let's call it 10 to 15 rooms, right? So just enough to make a group, probably talking about somewhere around 30 or 40 people. Um, and we've still got all those considerations for the things that we did with the, the group of 10 to 16, but now we've got some additional considerations. So Willie, what are some additional things that you're going to keep in mind for a group that's a little bit larger like that? First thing I'm going to do is set huge expectations that you're definitely not riding rides together. You're not eating together and you're definitely not going to all the same parks each day together. It's just not going to be feasible. Groups of 40, 30, it's just not going to be easy. And I mean, realistically, you're not even going to get on the bus together. I hate to say it, but you know, you walk down to the bus stop and there's 30 or 40 of you. You better be there at 7 a.m. on the first bus if you want to go together. So let's keep it at, let's plan in groups of 10, almost like what we were doing with the first group. Plan in groups of 10 to 12 of where you're each going to go each day and keep it really simple. Yeah. So that's a good point. So you, one, one approach is to kind of subdivide and make yourself into, you know, more manageable subgroups. Um, that's a, that's a good point. Um, Tim, what are some other things that you might think about doing with a, a larger group like that? Well, and just going off of what Willie was just saying, uh, uh, two words for you, tour group. I mean, how annoying do, do the rest of us find it when there's a tour group of 30 or 40 people all chasing around together? And, you know, it, it's like herding cats, as, as, I mean, as far as that group itself is concerned. But now you're, you, the other guests, are worrying about, you know, okay, where are they going so I can go the other direction? But, you know, so I think that is absolutely um, part and parcel of planning a trip like that with that many people is, is you know, Make it make a game out of it. Okay, we're gonna go to Hollywood Studios this day, and we're gonna we're gonna go early enough to try to get on Rise of the Resistance, and then, or you know, let's let's say uh, let's have a competition for Smuggler's Run, and you know who gets who gets the the most points there, or what have you, uh, for the next group that's gonna go the next day to see if they can they can beat it. So you know, you make it fun like that, then it, then that gives them something even that much more to look forward to. Well, and, and I think that one of the nice things about getting to a group this size is that you're now a big enough group that you can, you have a little bit of leverage. So, um, as an example, um, there are, uh, sort of dessert party type things that you can do in most of the parks. Now, some of this is going to depend on what sorts of, of, um, you know, Entertainment is, is available in the parks in the evenings at various times. And that's, that's something that we're going to have to play by ear, but there's always some sort of special dining experience we can help arrange for you. Um, we, we can work with the folks at Disney catering and with groups. Uh, they give us a special contact to work with and, you know, it's still premium priced because it's still theme park food and it's still, you know, specialty theme park dining, but it's really not that bad once you start breaking it down. It's not really a lot more than you would spend, you know, going to table service meals uh, as a group anyway, but you get your own private uh, situation. And, and sometimes you get to experience some unique places that you wouldn't necessarily see otherwise. Um, you know, there's a, I believe there's still a, um, a room for catering in the Norway pavilion above where, um, uh, uh, frozen ever after. Is. Thank you. Right. I was going to call it Maelstrom, and I knew that was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Above Frozen Ever After, which is kind of a cool location. There are a couple locations in Hollywood Studios that are really nice. There's some outdoor locations at Epcot that are fantastic. Um, there's probably, one above the American Adventure. Well, there's above the American Adventure. I love the outdoor spots in in Epcot, um, and you've seen them, right? There's that yeah. there's that place right in front of Germany that kind of juts out in front of the Germany Pavilion. Even if there's not necessarily a show there in the lagoon. It's still a beautiful place, and it's comfortable. You often get a breeze. There's um, one in front of China. Yeah, there's one in front of China too. That's right. Yep. Um, and then the one, you, 
Go ahead. But you brought up you brought up Germany, and that's that's one thing that there are select places like the beer garden that can accommodate a larger group of thirty or forty people because of the style of service it is. It's family service. It's buffet. It's very, uh, very German. Very um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's it's yeah. It's it's family style. Yeah, yeah. It's Oktoberfest, and there is a show in there, and they can seat a whole lot of people because there's a lot of open tables. Right. So there are select things that you can do, but you don't bank on that happening everywhere all the time. Right. And and you learn right. There are certain places that we know we can call, and and when you're talking about a group of thirty or forty, we we you know you can't do that through regular dining. It it, it you know those those reservations absolute maximum is 10 people, right? That's all the, the system will let you actually search for. Um, but, you know, we've got phone numbers. We'll contact restaurants directly to make arrangements. And some of the restaurants, you know, they may say, like, I'll give you a good example. Um, if you, I know we have a lot of folks who love Ohana. Ohana gets a lot of requests from groups because their service method does work well for groups. Um, you know, that family style dining is a, a good fit and they've got some nice, you know, long, big tables, that kind of thing. But Ohana will only take those large reservations for their first reservation of the night, which these days is, I believe, still 4.45 p.m. So it's right. early. But. At least you'd get it, right? At least we can get you all there in together at once. If you go out on your own and try to search for 7.30 reservations, 8 o'clock reservations, it's not going to happen. They won't do it. You can call them direct. They won't do it um, because it's too disruptive to the rest of the service that they do. So only that first seating of the night is available at Ohana. Um you know, we we keep our own lists of which which restaurants are the ones that that people can work with and that are flexible with you. Um, I had some guests who had a great experience um, at uh, a restaurant at Coronado, um, not the brand new one. Um, Rick's? No, 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 the table service. Ah, uh, this is really going to bug me. Not Toledo. Yeah. No, not Toledo. Toledo. Not Toledo. Uh, the steakhouse. Um, yeah. What? Why can't I come up with it? Maya Grill. Maya. Maya. Yes. Had a great experience with Maya Grill. I'll, I'll be honest. Just as a regular sit-down restaurant, Maya Grill is not my favorite. But they did such a great job with the group. Um, you know, initially they were a little reluctant because they wanted them to to work from a reduced menu. But you know what? When you've got a group of thirty, if you don't work from a, a either a smaller menu or a place like Ohana that serves family style, it's almost impossible for them to serve everybody at the same time. And coordination of service, exactly. It's, it's just almost impossible. impossible. The the kitchen can't accommodate it. So, you know, they they worked with a fixed uh, fixed menu. We added on table side uh, guacamole service. So they got a little extra show out of the experience and they raved about it. It was a wonderful experience. And it's the kind of thing that you can't do with a party of six, <laughs> you know, they're not going to do a custom menu for you. Um, but with a group of 30, they were able, they were willing to work with us and they customized the menu to accommodate dining, you know, special dining needs. And it, it was just a fantastic experience. I think Whispering Canyon also is one of the few places where you can get large, very large groups in because they have that preset menu for the most part you know obviously if you're vegan or vegetarian it's one thing but overall i mean i've been in there with 30 and 40 people and never had a problem yeah yeah we've done that as well and they 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 do work with you um but that's part of it right is that, that you know we can help direct you and and help you with that early on because it's it's here's one of the things that i hate seeing people go through and that is you've got this big group that's all traveling together you think you've got it all under control to handle all by yourself and you have a set plan and you know that you want this restaurant and then this restaurant and then this restaurant and you know you go to do it on your own and you're not really going to find out until you try to book it and find out that you can't do it <laughs> and now you're frustrated and you're stuck because now you're inside the booking deadline when everybody else is now booking those same places too, and you're scrambling. So, you know, that's why it's just that much more important for people to come to us in advance so that we can, you know, even if we can't book it farther out, we can at least have our contact at the restaurant. We can 
let them know that we're going to be in touch, that we can explain to you what the parameters are going to be when we do get it booked, and everybody knows what's happening going in. And and we can give you the ideas of where to go and where not to oh, go. Yeah. Exactly. Because there are it's, definitely places that you don't want to try and deal with with a big group. Yep. That's right. Um, and I will also add that once you get into this size group, um, you know, y- you can look into some special event kinds of things, depending again on what kind of evening entertainment is available. But there are a number of, of special event kinds of things that you might not really think about doing much if it was, you were just traveling with your family. But when you've got a bigger group, you know, you, you might look into some things like, um, you know, evening cruises on the, the pontoon boats and, um, you know, if at a time, if we're, we're looking at evening shows again, you know, they do special seating for those shows, um, any of those kinds of, of, um, special event sorts of things. Um, those are things that again, you know, we know the right people to reach out to and timing is really important on those, uh, as is capacity. Now, when you're talking about shows, you're talking about like Spirit of Ohana and Hoopty Doo Musical Review and those sorts of things like that? Well, those too. I mean, I, I was even thinking more about, you know, nighttime spectaculars, but you raise a good point because those are good examples of, um, you know, shows and, and um, Hoopty Doo in particular is the one that is most welcoming of, of large groups. Yes. It's been my experience as well. And it's a fun night. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good food. And you get drinks for free. And they have free beer and wine. Um, And, and, you know, the other piece to that is that once you get to, to, you know, you're sure you're going to have more than 10 rooms, right? We can work with Disney to negotiate a room rate for you. And, um, you know, a lot of people initially are resistant to this concept because they say, well, why don't we just wait till the deal comes out? Why don't we wait for the discount and we'll, we'll see what the discount is and we'll book the discount. Here's the problem. Every discount at Disney is limited capacity and it's resort by resort and room type by room type limited capacity. So the likelihood that 12 rooms or 15 rooms in a particular resort, especially in a particular category, are all going to be available under a discount is really small. Unless you're looking, yeah. Well, you don't even know for sure that the that the discount's going to be made available. You 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 can anticipate based on past experiences, but that doesn't mean you can uh, guarantee that that's going to happen. Absolutely. Unless you're getting a preferred room at Port Orleans, like Royal Room, you're definitely probably not getting twelve rooms of the same type at all. I don't care what they offer; you're not getting it. You're better off going with a group and having your price, you know, 12 to 18 months in advance instead of waiting and rolling the dice four to six months in advance. Well, and and the reality is that at least my experience with group rates is that even if they're not a huge discount, they're usually at a reasonable rate compared to what is available. And, you know, the problem with going for the discount is that because they're limited availability, you're then dealing with the fact that out of the 12 rooms you need, five people got this discount that they're all excited about, but every time they mention it, the other seven families are pissed off because they didn't get it. And they're angry exactly. about missing out, and they think the other people ought to help pay for this and that. And it just creates all kinds of problems when, with a, a negotiated rate, everybody pays the same. It makes it really easy right up front. Okay, so Willie. Um, I've got 10 families that want to go, but three of them are DVC members and they want to use points. What kind of monkey wrench does that throw in? That's a really big monkey wrench because first off, now we're down under 10, so we can't get a group discount. And second, the DVC families are probably going to stay somewhere different than the other families unless everyone's willing to spend a little more and when when i mean that is all the dvc resorts are deluxe resorts and some families are looking to go on the cheap and there's nothing wrong with the cheap 
and some families are looking for the deluxe, like you and I. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I mean, look, there are two possibilities here, right? I mean, the folks who want to stay on DVC points, if they've got enough points, they can always try and get the biggest rooms they can, and everybody can can bunk together. Um, good luck. Just put it that way. Have fun. Good luck. <laughs> you know, it might be fun uh, for a couple of nights, a week. Yeah, we're back to togetherness again. No, yeah, thank it's you. a little too much togetherness for most folks. Um, your other option, and the one that, frankly, I would probably recommend to folks is, you know what? It's great that you have the value of those points. Consider renting the points out to somebody else and using the cash to book your room. Right. Uh, just because it's going to save you a lot of headache to be able to be part of the same planning group and, and, you know, included with the same transportation plans and all of that. Or bank the points. Right. You're allowed to bank Yeah, them. just use them another time. Sure. If yeah, you bought if DVC, you're, you're going back again. If you're worried about, you know, spending the cash, then Aaron's got the point, you know, just rent, rent them out, get the cash, use the cash to, to be with the rest of the group. That's perfectly reasonable. Um, and, and one other thing is that, you know, as you get up to this number, especially now when there's concern about, you know, we're, we're managing capacity on transportation and things like that, um, at a certain point, it's going to be worthwhile to actually consider hiring your own transportation. I mean, yeah, Disney provides free transportation and that's great. But if your group is big enough and you're going places together and there's, you know, 40 of you, I can guarantee you that you can't all get on the same bus. Um, you know, absolute maximum capacity on these buses is about 54 and especially on the magical express buses. And they are not filling those buses that full. They're filling them about half of that. So, um, if you want to be able to travel together, um, you know, I, I know that both of us have done or both agencies have done things where we've made arrangements for third party transportation that can pick you up at the airport. And that way you can all travel together. Um, and, and it's less of a, a deal when it's all families because, you know, families can travel together, but when it's things like, um, you know, youth groups and things like that, where you've got a lot of kids and, you know, you're maybe at a little bit lower adult to kid ratio, um, it's well worth it. It's also the kids feel really important. You know, they walk down and there's a sign that says blankety blank youth group. And there's, you know, the guy that walks them right onto the bus and they feel like they are, you know, the, the, the God. Cram. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, like, and look at this. We're already leaving. And that magical express line is all the way down, you know, to <laughs> God country. <laughs> yep. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it really can be well worth it. And the nice thing is that, you know, if I mean, we've already talked about the fact that you probably don't want to have everybody going to the same park every day, but you know, if you've got plans on one day that has everybody together, maybe it's an evening that you're all going to do dinner together somewhere in Epcot or something, you know, we can arrange that special transportation for that one shot so that you don't have people scrambling to try and make it to, you know, your your reservation at Epcot because you can only get the first third of the people on the first bus and then everybody's waiting for the next bus. You don't have to mess with that. We can make arrangements for a, a private bus service. They'll pick you up. They'll take you to dinner. They'll pick you up from dinner. They'll bring you back and, you know, take a lot of that hassle and worry out of the considerations for you. They also drop you off in nice spots most of the time compared to yeah. where the other buses drop you off. And that makes a huge difference when there's 40 of you. Like trudging through Epcot's parking lot or even the Magic Kingdom like, if they have to drop you off over at TTC, like, no, thank you. <laughs> it is a hike. Um, okay, so we've talked about sort of your your basic group. We've talked about slightly bigger group. Well, let's talk about the really big groups. Let's talk about what happens when you have, you know, the entire soccer league wants to travel down together. And now we're talking about, you know, 50 rooms. And... You're coming from the same city, and so you've got to coordinate rooms and transportation and tickets and all that for this huge group. Um, so, Willie, what's the first thing you're going to do? I can see the first thing Tim's going to do is he's going to finish his drink. Yeah. I, mean, I don't blame him. I, I'm going to have a second one and then a third drink. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. These groups are absolutely amazing, but it becomes – 
you know, a logistical nightmare because you're trying to cater to 50 different families. And I love these kind of groups, but it's work. And you really have to, as I always say, you need that one point of contact, the one person that is really, really good with you. And they know the group well. Like you said, it's the soccer team. You need, I'm going to just say it, you need the soccer mom that's in charge. And just, you know, this is what we're going to do and let us do all the planning, not 50 families do all the planning. Because it's otherwise you are going to be sunk real fast. The Titanic will go down faster. Right. Because the, the, what ends up happening if, if you have a big group like that and, and everybody's off on their own is that, you know, you, you end up with this, this, you know, everybody wants to do everything together and then everybody wants to do their own thing. And it, it gets to be very quickly, completely unmanageable because it's mutually exclusive. Basically, you know, you got half the group wants to do one thing, half the wants to do the other. We can really help you manage that. And, and with big groups like this, my general approach, really two things. Number one is I, I think you can't plan out the entire day for everybody. It's just not even worth trying. What I recommend is that you pick one thing that's going to be the thing for the day that you do together. And it's a, a, you know, a touch point thing. And it's not even necessarily a meal. It's maybe it's just a check-in, but you know, at least a couple of times, it's probably a, a dinner that you all do together. Maybe it's even just dessert, but you know, some, something that you all gather together, just the one thing. And then the other thing is, and I found these really useful. You can only use these um, with, uh, I think they're only available for youth groups, but they may be available for groups generally, um, is that, that Disney sells through the wholesale trade um, quick service meal certificates. And to me, especially when you're talking about like a sports group, these things are brilliant. They Gold. are the best things in the world because here's the thing. It's the only way I know of to be reasonably certain that all of these kids are going to actually eat lunch, right? Because if you just give them cash or you give them a gift card, half of they're going to blow it. Yeah, they're going to half of those kids are going to going to end up having you know candy for lunch, and that might be fine once, but if you've got a several day trip. Those kids are going to start dropping like flies if they're if they're not eating. They you know those kids burn calories. Um, so what the, well, and if you're the chaperones in charge of those kids, you don't want to see that happening. You don't, you want to, you don't want to take that kind of responsibility. Absolutely. Uh, and so what I've done and what I've recommended and it's worked really well is, um, you know, I, I'll suggest that the group have one or two contact people, point people that have the check-in lists and that they hang on to everybody's lunch coupons. And then there's just a window of time. And everybody has to check in with the, you know, the coupon person and get their lunch coupon. And what that does is it, it gives them a chance to allow the kids to kind of roam on their own if they're old enough um, it, or in, you know, subgroups. And then everybody can go off and do their own thing, but you know that everybody's where they're supposed to be because they've checked in and you know they're in the park. Right. Like 11 o'clock. We're all checking in. Here's your lunch card. And those things are perfect because you basically get a full quick service meal. Right. And you can't add like cotton candy to it. Like, <laughs> right. and, or like you were saying, like you can't have gummy worms for the fourth meal in a row. You right. have to have chicken nuggets or a substantive, you know, a real, a real meal. meal. Right. And, and and let me throw this in there. I mean, we're we're talking like you know the the trip that we're talking about is a Disney parks uh, uh, destination. It could be any of a number of things. You need the you need the voice of experience that can talk to your point person or persons uh, about what is available, what we can do, what we can't do, or what you shouldn't do. And uh, then you take that message back to the group because we all know that you know the traveling groups like that meet on a fairly regular basis as they're leading up to those trips. So you can get that communication passed down through that, uh, that point person or persons as it were, 
Um, and they can then communicate back to you what the group really, really, what's important to them, what they want to do, um, what do they want to make sure that they do. Yeah, that's a great point, Tim. I mean, you know, I know that that Disney is a specialty here around here, and, and we talk a lot about Disney destinations. But, uh, you know, there are other destinations that are good, especially large group destinations. And the key really is that there are other places that are good. There are other places that are not so good. And it, it really does make a difference to work with somebody who can help you suss out which are the best choices, which places are going to be able to accommodate a large group in a way that everybody can still have a good time and really enjoy themselves. Um, you know, if you're talking about a group cruise, there are some cruise lines that are much better and much more accommodating with groups than others, even within the similar price point. Um, and so it does make a big difference. And, you know, it, it, it's really a risk to try to go out and, and figure that out on your own because, I got to tell you, a, a group trip gone bad, it's a bad taste in people's mouths that lingers for a long time. Um, and and the flip side is that you get a lot of mileage out of a good trip. Right. I mean, like they've always said, negative comments last a lot longer than positive comments. You know, people remember the negative way more than they remember the positive. And I think we use the theme parks as a base for this conversation because they're some of the most complicated trips to pull off, too. I mean, a, a cruise is probably not nearly as likely to, to go haywire. Um, obviously, uh, uh, senior trips to Jamaica can have their um, problems. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, just from the sheer standpoint of um, – uh, figuring out theme parks, uh, meals, um, transportation, all those sorts of things. I think that's why we really kind of base our uh, these conversations off of the theme parks. I think that's true. And 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 the theme parks also have um, both a lot of advanced planning that needs to take place, even more than most other destinations, but also um, sort of the, the most um, – Detail and often the widest age range of people that you're planning special things for. Um, a lot of other destinations, you know, there, there isn't the variety of options. So you're making a choice and everybody's going to go along. Whereas at Walt Disney World or even at Universal or Disneyland, you know, there may be half a dozen different, you know, top priority options depending on demographics and interests. Totally. I mean, it's it's a wild card when you get down there because there's so many options. Like, you know, you, you have a group and they say, oh, we all want to eat at the hotel before we go to the park. And you're <laughs> like, what? Like, you know, well, I mean, and, and that's a good point of, you know what, if you just showed up on your own to do that and you tried to just go get breakfast at the quick service. Oh my God, it's going to be 1130 before you actually get on a bus to go to the parks. Minimum, minimum. On the other hand, you know, if we know that's what you want and that's important to you, then with a, a good sized group, you know, we can have a hospitality suite with your own breakfast set up and, you know, you can do exactly that and you can choose your start time and you can tell people this is the time and, and, you know, get your folks moving if that's what they need, that little extra push to get them out the door. Um, you know, we can, we can help you get that set up. And it's the kind of thing that if you don't plan for in advance, you know, it sets up the whole day to be scrambling. Or three hours behind. That's, that's what I mean by scrambling. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, you, yes. like literally you look down, it's three hours behind and you have yet to get to the park. Now you're rolling into the magic kingdom at noon. And you're like, look at these lines. It's like, right. well, you missed the, the three hours before while you were eating scrambled <laughs> eggs. Right. Right. But that's Absolutely. one benefit of having the, um, the under 18 travelers is that you can say, uh, you will be at this location at this time because we will be checking roll. And if you aren't there, we will come find you. <laughs> this is true too. Um, now, again, the bigger your group is, I think the more important the special event stuff gets to be. Um, and I know that for me, at least, you know, if you've got a, the bigger the group you have, the more I tend to use those sort of special event opportunities as your, centerpieces and we'll try and identify some of those early on and build the rest of the trip kind of around those things. Um, because, 
you're at the mercy, you know, Disney has a ton of these opportunities, but there's still, you know, they can only do so many of these in each location each day, right? So there's there's always a question of availability. Um, so I, I tend to like to start with those things and then the rest can can fill in. That's a little bit less of a, you know, absolutely necessary starting point, the smaller your group gets because there are more options when you're smaller. Right. But if you're going to try to do a, a, a fireworks dessert watch party with a group of that size, you got to plan that way ahead of time. I right. mean, you got to be, you got to have your foot in the door immediately. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. You better be at Epcot. <laughs> well, and, and it's not even just Epcot, right? Because Epcot has several locations, but some of the locations are better than others. I mean, yeah, they can do a dessert party for you in the um, in that spot in Norway, and it's a great room. But it's a much better room for dinner than it is for a dessert party because you can't see the fireworks from in the room. So, you know, that's one of the things. We know that, and we'll let you, you know, we'll remind you of that because the initial pitch is, oh, you should take this room. It's air-conditioned and comfortable. And everybody thinks, ooh, that's great. And then they realize that they're having dinner during fireworks and they can't see them. Yeah. You're looking outside. Oh, wait, there's no windows. Yeah. We missed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and some of those little island places, you know, some can accommodate more than others. Some can accommodate different kinds of food than others, just based on where they're located. And, um, you know, some of them top out at, I think, 40 to 60 people. So if you're going to have 100 people – you're really limited in the the you know options that you have. There are really only a couple of those pads that can handle a hundred or more. But Disney does have options available to them. I, re- I remember. I don't think they've done this in quite some time, but it used to be it during the uh, Food and Wine Festival. Uh, they had one event that was a special ticket event called the well, it was called D three Disney mm-hmm. Dessert Discovery. And it was in a big warehouse kind of a building that was set kind of back across from uh, uh, where the UK pavilion, kind of between world UK show, and yo, world show place, world showcase, world show yeah, place, is what show, it's called. Place. show place. Yeah. Between, uh, the UK and Canada and kind of set back and that building could hold tons of people. Yeah. And then they still had special places for us to go to view fireworks and that worked out, but that doesn't happen without a lot of forethought and planning. Right. Well, and it's still a special event space and there are special events in that space darn near 365 days a year they have it going on right now i mean that's where they have booths for food and wine to spread people out oh okay. oh I, wow I, I only learned that because of you know jay but you know they they put four countries in there and aaron you and i've been in there together right and that place is enormous. Oh, it's huge. It is i mean yeah, it's indoors it's but it might as well be outdoors because it's such a high ceiling it's, and so spread out you can literally just do anything and everything in there and they have bathrooms and yeah. you know, it's, it's air conditioned, which right now is the perfect time for air conditioning in four countries. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a nice space. So uh, there are things that they can do, but right. they can't do it if they only have 60 days to plan. It. Well, exactly. Because it's because there are only so many spaces that size, you know, you, you've got to get on it earlier. Um, the, um, you know, the, the other thing about group events, and, and I think this is an important thing to, to think about, um, you, you want to think about, you know, not just sort of floating the idea, but nailing things down early. And I know a lot of people get hung up on, well, we don't know for sure what the school calendar is going to be. And this isn't, you know, we don't know exactly what's happening. You know what? If this is a family reunion and you're getting, you know, 60, 80 members of your family together, there's no, there's nothing your kid's going to get at school. And, and I, I'm probably stepping on some toes here, but I'm going to say it anyway. There is absolutely nothing your kid is going to get from school that is more valuable than spending quality time with an extended family that they just aren't going to see all that often. Um, we're, we're talking about a day or two here, folks. Exactly. I'm totally with you. You know, obviously the teachers aren't going to be happy that we pull them out of school, but I can educate my kids when I'm on vacation. Not as good as you probably can, but they're still going to learn so much stuff. And they're going to see family members they've never seen or they've only seen at weddings or funerals. And this is a perfect time for them to see their family they haven't seen. 
And they're going to learn things that they don't learn in class, too. I mean, you you, you think about just even walking around uh, the Epcot World Showcase and taking them into um, the, the shows, you know, in, in uh, France and Japan or China, what have you. You know, getting an inside look, you know, on the, the, the circular vision screen of things that, you know, they only read about if they pick up the book and read and when they're in school. Well, and, and you know, I hadn't even really thought about it until, uh, you know, Willie was just talking about you know, people you only normally see at, at weddings and funerals, but it dawned on me. I mean, you know, how, how much value is there in your kids getting to interact with relatives at a time when you know, not everybody's in a suit, right? Not everybody's at an emotional pitch, you know, at, at a high emotional peak because of a wedding or a funeral or, or something major like that. Just to be able to be around family in a more relaxed environment is a, a really powerful learning experience, frankly. Well, in a much more happy environment, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in a wedding. Because in a wedding, even though everybody's happy, there's still a lot of, of stress and tension going on because it's this big event and everybody's wired about the event. To me, that's what's so great about a big group vacation like this where you've got somebody else handling the details for you. Because... Go ahead, Willie. I can see you. Everyone signed up to pay to go on this vacation. They're not being asked to come. They're they're excited to go. It's not I mean, nothing against weddings, nothing against funerals, but you know they have planned this thing for a long time, and they want to be there, and they're all excited. But see, and I know? think the best part about it is that they're all excited, and. There's nobody who feels like they're stuck with the drudge work, right? There's nobody the there. Pictures, who, right? the, the yeah, all of it. The, the the pictures, the, the, the dining, meal. the this, the that. I mean, getting people here to there. You know, if you yeah, if you do it right, if you coordinate things up front, then you really can just relax and enjoy yourself. And and there are so few times where you get major family events where there's not somebody in the family who's totally distracted from the event. I've been waiting for this wedding for five years. I can't, you know, I don't even know how to get <laughs> excited anymore. You're just like, come on. Like this is Disney. Let's go have fun. And we can really have a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I mean, forget about it. How many brides and groom, you know, brides and grooms, never get a chance to taste the meal that they agonized over. Mm -hmm. It took two weeks to plan, you know, the chicken dinner and they still haven't tasted the chicken. Right. It's awful. You know what? If you want your chicken waffle sandwich, get over to sleepy hollow, get your chicken waffle sandwich. Chicken waffle sandwich. You'll be glad you we did. We'll send you there. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, and then the, the last thing I want to talk about, cause it's, it's um, I think, of particular significance when you've got a really big group. Um, don't be afraid to look into group airfare and even chartered air. Um, you know, if you think about it, uh, an airplane holds, uh, what is it, about 124 people for your basic, you know, 727 aircraft. Um, so if you've got a big group and you're, especially if you're all traveling from the same city, um, getting everybody on flights, on commercial flights at reasonable prices, it's going to be hard. It's even worse than dealing with room discounts because airfare is priced that way, right? There are like four seats at the cheapest price, and then they go up in price from there. And you end up with exactly that situation, right? There's one family that booked earliest, and they got all the discounts, and everybody else is stuck paying the highest price. So, Aaron, are you saying it's possible for me to charter an, a commercial airline flight? It is. Um, depending on the size of your group, first thing you would do is look at, at group rates. Um, and don't be shocked when you get your group rate, it's going to be most likely more expensive than the cheapest possible seat, but that's because everybody's going to pay the same price. So the trade-off of not getting the cheapest rate is that you keep the last person from paying the highest rate and you kind of average it out across everybody. So that's one thing. And you know, everybody on the flight. Right. Exactly. Well, you know everyone. And that's what – here's the, the tricky part, and I actually just learned this one recently, is um, once you get beyond about 30 people, a lot of the airlines will not take a group larger than that. 
um, because it, it takes up too much of the capacity of the flight. Um, so once you start getting into that, you know, 60, 70, 80 people, um, well, now it's probably worth it to start looking into the possibility of chartering a flight. And it's going to be somewhat pricey, but frankly, um, especially as your numbers get bigger, it's not likely to be a lot more than a commercial flight would be. And the beauty of it is that you have 100% control or pretty close to 100% control over your schedule. Um, I mean, yes, they have to deal with getting, you know, runway slots and things like that, but, you know, there's none of this looking for the flight that has the best time. You choose the time that you want to leave and they can generally get you off the ground within an hour or so of that. And same thing on your return. Um, so even if you're paying, you know, a little bit more, it's probably worth it for the flexibility and the control. Yeah. Couldn't be more right. I mean, that's, that's just to me, that is the, that's the, let the fun start right now kind of decision that you make. I mean, um, like you're right. If you get you get a hundred or more people, and there are families that are that big. I know. I mine's one of them on one side of my family. If, and if everybody's willing to to chip in and pay you know X amount of dollars for a charter fare, you can start the party as soon as you get to the airport. You get the family together, and you're you're getting on that charter plane. There's nobody on there other than the family. You, you don't have assigned seats. You're going to sit next to whoever you want to sit next to for you know, so you can talk for a while. You know that party has started already. You're not waiting until you get there and meet up with somebody at the hotel. We're going. Let's ha- let's make it happen. You're also going direct. You're not going to Memphis when you need or to be Charlotte, going to Orlando. Or Atlanta. Exactly. Or God forbid O'Hare. Right. Well, I mean, it, like when I fly, when I used to fly home to Kentucky, I always flew past Kentucky to get to. I, mean, I would fly to Chicago, Memphis, or sometimes. Dallas to get to Kentucky. Sure. So yeah. it's going four hours to Dallas and two hours to Kentucky. <laughs> yep. You could go to Vegas to turn around and go back to Kentucky. I'm just saying it's nuts. Um, so, and, and it's the kind of thing that you might not think about on your own, but you know, if you come to us with that, we're going to keep those things in mind. And you know what? We might even, for example, suggest that if you're chartering a flight, why do you even want to mess with MCO? Right. If you're doing your own transportation and you're doing your own plane and you're going to do your own buses, then why not just fly into Sanford? You know, smaller airport, less hassle, less to worry about. You land in the smaller airport, your buses are waiting for you, and you're going to get to your resort while the commercial flight is still circling, waiting for its chance to land at at MZO. That's a great point. I mean, it's all it's all your own charter stuff, and and you know, the, especially the the kids are going to be like, "Wow, we did this charter plane <laughs> and right. charter bus. It was amazing." I mean, that's a that's a memory that you carry with you for your life. Definitely. All right. Well, any, any other last thoughts, guys? Just remember, your travel agents are going to do a lot more work for you than you personally can do on your own. It's hard to believe but all the behind the scenes work that we do along with what we know and who we know and who we can talk to will pay huge dividends at the end yeah i think the part that people often forget is and and i keep reminding folks you don't know what you don't know right and and you know, I keep thinking of these things that, that to me are completely natural and I don't even realize necessarily until we start talking about it that the average travel to, traveler doesn't even think about this because it's just not something that they're concerned about most of the time. Exactly. And what I would add to that is this is a vacation. It's supposed to be fun. Uh, it's not supposed to be stressful for anybody. And we've all, I bet we've all got that one family member that will say, well, remember that trip and so-and-so, I planned that and I will never do that again. There's a reason that they're saying that. So, you know, t- take her word for it and and trust your, your travel advisor to be able to take on all that stress, all the prep work, and you guys just have fun. Enjoy it. That's what it's for. All right. So on that note, um, you know, 
the bottom line is that that we've thrown out just some general thoughts about um, traveling with a larger group of folks and and you know things about some different sizes of groups. Um, I'm sure that there are thoughts that we left out, things that we didn't think about or considerations that we missed. Um, tell us about it. We'd love to hear your thoughts about traveling with a larger group. Do you have some experience with a, a sports group or a large family group? We'd love to hear from you. What are things that you did that you thought were particularly fantastic? What are group events that you tried and just were a total bomb? Um, we'd love to hear from you and hear your perspective. You can uh, visit us on the web at disdads.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disdadspodcast. You can tweet at us on Twitter at disdadspodcast. Uh, you can send us emails individually, directly. You can email Willie at willie at wickedmousetravel.com. You can email Tim personally at tim.hicks at fantasticmemoriestravel.com and if you have questions that uh, that have come to mind during this conversation we want to hear those too send them out to us uh, and if you want to email me individually you could send it to me at aaron at mousemastertravel.com or if it's more specifically podcast related ajritz at disdads.com uh, until next time I've been your host Aaron Rittmaster with the able help of my co-hosts Tim Hicks. We'll see you real soon. And Willie Crocker. Have a wicked wild night, guys. Willie's on mute. <laughs> Come on, Willie, fish I mute, but sorry. Uh, I don't play the damn thing, man. Testing five, ten, fifteen, twenty. And four ten. Testing four nine sixteen nineteen twenty four. Got it, I got it. Thirty wonderful. I don't play that thing.